Four years into building a business, proving community creation is the future of business development, I've learned that community isn't for everyone, at least not yet. So I challenged myself to come up with what that formula is, right? What is those basic building blocks that you need to have in place before you can even think about community building? And furthermore, what can you be building that can also be creating community compounding in the long run as you are building up those blocks. And that's why I put together this keynote, which will be my keynote for this year that I plan to take on the road and, you know, do the the usual stops at different conferences and whatnot and kick it up a notch. But it basically has three steps to getting there, right? It's got level one, level two, level three of how you build up to this foundation where you're really cooking with grease. And then once you have that, you can really think about accelerating that thing, right? Accelerating the digital word of mouth, which is the foundation of where this value comes for community creation, right? It's like step one of word of mouth, step two of getting beyond just you, step three of really, really accelerating that thing to build the oldest marketing channel of all time, the most effective marketing channel of all time, which is word of mouth through digital mediums. So I hope you like this thing. And uh, as you can tell, we're back. We're back doing the internet talk show, which to me is the foundational thing that you can do that will allow you to go through steps one through three while building up to community, getting the insights that you need and all these other things. You'll notice that in all of these building blocks, it's all about evangelism, insights, processes and consistency so that you can keep doing this stuff. So if you want to come see how it's done, join us on Mondays at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And right after that, we're going into like a really exciting thing where we used to just do this open AMA. Now it's going to be like an open mic of people dropping points of views, speaking points, interesting topics to be debated and given those workshops because we got these workshops coming up of, um, of helping you evangelize, helping you develop speaking points and helping you get the word out. So that was a lot, but, um, you know, enjoy this, enjoy this keynote, enjoy these things. I'd love to hear what you think about it. There's a lot packed in here. So I'll see you on the end of the show. I'm going to ask for some feedback from you. Enjoy. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional, 
that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. So the two big frameworks that have come out have been this McKenzie community flywheel and this belonging to the brand Mark Schaefer framework. I'm going to, I'm going to start off talking about those, right? So McKenzie published this, this study not too long ago. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be sharing this PDF with everybody. So that you have the links to uh, all these things that we're talking about. As you can see, this community flywheel article is connected here, and you're going to be able to get to that. But McKenzie's community flywheel, pretty simple, right? Five steps of one, knowing your community, right? How do you get the insights and and the the interactions with your community in order to in order to be able to really serve the people at scale that you are trying to serve? Two. Make your story talkable, right? This is like that like word of mouth piece. How do you get people to share about it? How do you how do you put your language in other people's mouths? Three, zooming in on a hero product. This is something that's been uh, real tough for us to real tough for us to learn here at Be the Stage. But you know, in reality, the more that you can simplify decision making, the better it's going to be for people, right? So if you if you can figure out a strategy to just coalesce underneath the one fundamental thing that you that you really really believe in and you create a product around that the rest of your products will do well right so that is kind of the strategy there for fueling conversations in all channels right so if making your story talkable is the packaging fueling conversations in all channel is that tactical content distribution and how you how you get to how you put this in many places right what we like to call the one seed that you plant in six different pots that you plant that you then put in, I'm sorry, the one seed that you plant in six different ecosystems in 25 different pots, right? To see what, what hits is, is the basics of that. And then five, making transactions effortless. We're going to talk a bit about product, right? Because they've got three and five on products. And at the end of the day, it's like speed to win, right? Like making transactions effortless can mean a couple of different things. They can mean the tech that you put behind signing up or also just like how easy it is to want to get in, right? This idea of offer creation is a really, really underestimated thing when it comes to community. And oh, by the way, we're going to talk about this in a second, but I'm talking about specifically about community in a way that you can profit from community. We believe at Be The Stage that we're ushering in this new era of relationships over transactions and how you can build scalable, repeatable businesses with this methodology. But if you can't make it make financial sense for a company, it's going to get put in the hobby category. It's going to get put in the in the passion project category. And we've learned from servicing a bunch of clients that the clients that are like, oh, I think this would be really fun to do. That means churn, right? Because it gets put on the last... It gets put on the last thing. So in order to make community stick, it really has to lead to profit. Penny Rose, good to see you. The CPA for content creators, one of the greatest niches I have ever heard of, and Rita's personal CPA. So now we got Schaefer's community framework, right? From the book, Belonging to the Brand. This is the book that I highly, highly recommend everybody reads because it's the first time that they've spoken about 
community as a brand marketing play and really just detailed it out. This is the first beginnings of this idea of like systemizing how to make profit out of it. And I'll talk about that. Number one, his first step was culture, right? Like how do you have people, what's, what is the creation of culture, right? It's people speaking about similar things that they believe in and similar language, having the same rituals, right? All believing in these, in these kind of similar things, agreeing by certain bumper lanes that, that prevent chaos is to me a a pretty good definition of culture inside of a company, inside of a community, inside of society. If you think about it, two purpose, what do you stand for? People do not. People do not get sold into communities. They enlist into communities because they believe in something greater than themselves, right? This idea of wanting to give a little bit more than you get and understanding that that comes back in full only happens if there's a greater purpose involved. And I've learned that, you know, from just from one-on-one interactions to everything that we've been doing, starting with the vol- my volunteer days in Miami. Three, the gathering of members. At the end of the day, you got to bring people together, where, whether it is digital or whether it is in person, a community framework doesn't doesn't work if you don't have those rituals, if you don't have those times to exchange ideas and stuff like that and, and, and get to know each other beyond the things that you're normally doing for the redistribution of power. We're going to talk about this a lot, right? This idea of like creating evangelists, creating, a, creating the Avengers and also redistribution of content as well, which is one of the big ways that we do it. Five, monetization. Again, it doesn't work if you don't, if you don't make money from it. I really don't think you're going to, if you don't make this thing a Monday morning problem, it's not going to work. And I love that these frameworks have that in them, right? Because it, I, this is what I have learned by getting kicked in the teeth over and over again. And six is measurement. Oh, by the way, the other thing is monetization. Right now, as it stands in this book belonging to the brand, 80% of business communities are customer service oriented communities, right? They've been able to monetize and measure the impact of, oh, okay, you're having a problem with this, go to our online chat or our online forum and where other people are to help solve this for you and reduce what is our, you know, our our customer success budget, right? That is how they've been measured. The thesis, the main thesis in this book is the idea that you can monetize by client acquisition which I very much believe in, we've proven out here. And again, I think that this is, if you want to talk about purpose, right? Like this is what I believe in. I I really believe that we have gone from this world of power over where you hold an advantage over someone and you just, you know, keep that. So make them serve you to this world of power with this idea that you got to figure out how to win by enabling the people around you to do their best work, to be their happiest, to be in their, you know, in their lanes and, and, and fully, fully fulfilled. I know that, I know that the chat agrees with this, right? I know V spoke about this at length with Ikigai on our past shows and. At the end of the day, because we're moving into this world of power with community is really the move, right? Like it's it's the most sustainable long-term way of getting this, right? So let's jump in. I believe that in order to execute on all these things, and we're going to be going back to these things. I've got them, I've got them written here so I can keep tagging them. Rita, let me know if I start moving around and I come out of frame or whatever. But um, but there's there's three levels. There's three levels to this thing, right? And I know that I know that when Either you're a person getting started or a company getting started. There's there's these three levels that you're going to have to go through for it to actually stick. It doesn't mean you can't start 
with community focus in mind. It doesn't mean that you can't be doing all the things, but just understand that for it to gain traction, you're going to have to move through these three levels. Level one is the product, the evangelist, and the hook point, right? What do I mean by the product? I mean, your product's got to work, man. <laughs> you know, like if, if you don't, if you don't have something out there that is working for people, then you know, then that's your number one concern as a business, right? Like you need to be able to move the needle for people and prove it. If you're not a business, if you're just an individual, you're just a person, then that product is you, right? Do Are you delivering on the things that you promise to others? When you go meet someone and you say, I'm going to do X, Y, C for you, X, Y, Z for you, are you following up and making sure that that is met? That is the absolute baseline expectation. And I know that you didn't come here to hear all this, to, to hear just this, but man, you'd be surprised how how many people want to approach us when something isn't proven, when they don't really have a track record, when you can't really do this stuff. It's it's a big deal. And how valuable you are person to person is way more powerful for community building than how famous you are or how much notoriety you have or how many followers you have. And we learned this, right? We learned this by by the fact that our first client at Be The Stage was somebody that had a million followers. And we went and built a community for them and it worked. It worked monetarily. It worked because we put this community play on the back end of a free book plus shipping funnel and it started working, but it was tough. While our second client was a civic volunteer activist in the arts of Philadelphia. The moment that she started asking, people came from the woodworks, right? Because one person was a celebrity branding person. He had these really, really high profile things that he had done for very, very high profile people, but he had only worked with a couple of people because he was so high priced. While this other person had hand-to-hand combat in the streets of Philadelphia, you know, helped people with their careers, created a network, did all this stuff, and her community grew in, inordinately fast. I really believe that this is the reason why the JWB community grew so fast and so and and was so successful because JWB has been out there serving people for 14 years before even starting this thing. And when they threw up a signal and said, hey, we're going to add value in a different way, people are like, for sure, for sure, you, you're, you're a value adder. Right. So people have to associate you with adding value. Your product has to work. Your word has to matter. And without that, none of this works. And it, and none of it works no matter how freaking Instagram popular you are. Right. Like I, I have figured that piece out. Right. Not me that I'm not Instagram popular, just other people. So then you need an evangelist. Right. The idea that you're going to need somebody that's really kind of pushing this thing forward, right? Whether it is, again, we're talking at for companies of different levels, right? If you are the CEO, the founder, right? Like we work, it's obvious for us that our done for you product works really well when the founder is a marketing focused person and they want to be the evangelist of this thing and carry this. We we look at all of our examples, right? Greg Cohen from JWB, Matt Kleinrock from, from Rockway Exhibits, Daniel Wren from Wren Financial, all have really carried this mantle of an evangelist, but I've also seen other examples, right? I met Etienne Nichols at CMX. He was a super pumped up. He was a customer success guy, right? Like he was a product manager kind of kind of type guy that had used it. And he was just like the customer success guy that was the most like into the whole thing. My career started the same way, right? Like I was director of sustainability guy inside of a big corporation that valued the community. And I took it upon myself 
to go out there and evangelize, to go out there and be the networker, to open the doors, to look for these things. And what I see is for the evangelist, these three things are key, right? Problem obsessed, insight obsessed, and a content creator, right? Because the the, the problem obsessed is the thing that's going to get you out there, right? The problem obsessed is the thing that's going to, that's going to get them to show up to that extra event, that extra networking event, meet that extra person, right? Like really trying to solve for a problem. And by the way, when they're problem obsessed, it's much more attractive than somebody that's product or career obsessed, right? For my, for the majority of my career, I mean, for all of my career, right? This is why I, I identify so much with category design. From early on, it was, it wasn't, I'm building a green building consulting agency. It's Miami needs somebody to save them from sea level rise. Then it became, hey, you know, like volunteering at nonprofits is the best way to like up your career and and help yourself, right? It wasn't just come volunteer at Habitat or wherever I was recruiting, right? Then it became, there's a better way to do business development. There's a value aggregated way to do business development, right? And then that became community creation for 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 business development, but it was the problem. It's the problem that gets you out there taking the reps, hearing the people ask you, really, what what does that even mean? And then and then continuing to evolve your message. Insight obsession, right? This is the idea that you just can't have somebody in a networking room that's a business card sprayer, right? You want somebody that's in a room that is asking, you know, what is people's priorities right now? What are they struggling with? What brought them here? How can I help? Because that is the way that you start to accumulate these insights that then allow you to serve the people that you're trying to serve when you interact with them enough times, right? So that that really landed on me. <laughs> One time I was in, um, I was I was like 31. And at this point I was on the board of a, of, of a major charity in Miami. And I'm sitting down with the president of a local bank and another guy that's on like a big board of a big company and for the first time ever, I noticed that um, I was having a hard time, you know, broing out with people about sports and girls and whatnot. The only things that I really knew how to talk about my whole like Ace Ventura funny guy shtick at a, at a certain moment, I realized that had a real shelf life. And then I look across the table to my co, you know, like young professional chair, this guy, Oscar Lopez, who was sitting there asking so how's your business? What are you struggling with? Right? Like, what is the thing? And I realized at that point that that's the, that's the key, right? So flipping over into not how can I talk to someone, but how can I find out more about where they stand in life? That is the thing that has led to all the insights after it, right? Like this, we at be the stage, we turn on an insight real quick and go validate it and go check it out. And that's been the summary of my career. That's the reason why you know, in five years, I went from construction guy to being written about books and marketing. It's because of the qualitative insights that you can get from people and the obsession over that. That's what's going to move the needle for you. That's what's going to make the evangelist great. And that's what's going to allow them to continue to evolve, right? Is those insights, not the self-promotion. And then third is the content creation, right? It's how do they get better and better at packaging the thing that they're, the, the problem that they're evangelizing, the insight that they learned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Early on in, from 2009 to 2017, I had no idea that social media could be used for this, right? Like I was just in rooms networking, but it was the same model, right? Like it's taking the problem that I'm talking about, finding out insights of how people feel about it and whether they want to solve it or not and how they solved it in the past. And how do I put this into the next conversation, right? Then 
Gary Vee came around, I realized, oh, this dude's doing it at scale by repurposing content and everything changed. Again, another insight of, of keeping that going. Yes, Rita. So would you say to tie the, the product and the evangelists and the last conversation we had once before, mm-hmm. you're basically telling us either your product has to speak for itself or your commitment to this, the people speaks for itself. And these two categories help achieve those things in a way. Can you disagree, agree, speak more to that? I think they're kind of, I think the product you can't have, you can't have doubts in your product and still do this. Like you have to really believe in your product, whether that product is a product that you're, that you work for, a company you work for, or it's yourself, right? I think, I think some of the, the biggest kind of hurdles that I've had with business development myself comes from self-worth stuff that I had to work through, through, you know, through therapy and all these different things that has allowed me to evolve and really speak as if like, I'm not like asking for a sale or anything like that. I'm out there giving value, right? So if you don't believe in your product and you don't, you know, breathe confidence into your, into yourself and your product, it's not going to work. And that only comes from, from your product working and from you doing stuff for others. Right. So does that answer your question, Rita? Yes. And I would say that's a very key element to being the evangelist because not believing in your product and having clarity on what you have to offer doesn't, you know, all hype and no value with the evangelist 100%. doesn't further the levels, the path to community that you're discussing. So 100%. 100%. So two of our workshops coming up in the next couple of weeks are my playbook for evangelism, right? Like how I landed on a top 20 under 40 magazine in Miami and how it's all evolved into like using it for content, right? So that's one of the workshops that's coming up. Another one of our workshops that's coming up is how do we, it's packaging hook points, right? Like how you create the content, how you package things from a storytelling standpoint. And I think I'm talking about this later in the presentation, right? But like, these are a couple of the of the workshops that we're going to be doing as episodes of the show. So stay tuned for that. And then finally, oh yeah, here we go, hook points, right? (laughs) This is it. We're doing a whole workshop on this coming up, right? How you frame, name, and claim things, right? This is this this is the big aha moment that that I had that I've now seen everywhere in the everywhere in the universe. One of the people that I most give credit to for this is uh, well, number one, Christopher Lockhead and Category Pirates. A lot of the stuff you're going to see an intersection of what I believe about category design and community coming together. I, I really do believe that category design, evangelism, and community all fit together. And this idea of framing, naming, and claiming is language from Christopher Lockhead. But to give you the the, the power of actually naming something that you that you that you are expressing and how that hits. Amanda Holmes, author of The Ultimate Sales Machine, who is, by the way, the other book that we got written about in, she, I, I we brought her in for this event and she was t- telling people about this thing. She's like, all right, I'm going to show you the coolest thing. You want to know the best way to keep up with someone? I call it the signature selfie. Somebody give me your phone, right? Does the phone, takes a picture of him and goes, all right, how can I text this to you? And what she was showing is this idea that when you meet somebody and you take a selfie with them, and then immediately you're like, oh, how can I text it to myself? How can I tag you on Instagram? Whatever. You are immediately connecting and getting beyond that barrier of like, give me your email or let me scan your badge or whatever, or or your business card or whatever you're doing. And that BTW is something that I've always done. I just never called it something. And now every time I talk about it, I refer to Amanda. So 
the word of mouth that I give Amanda every single time I talk about that tactic is only because she framed it, named it, and claimed it, right? So this is a way to accelerate word of mouth. Then the next piece is how do you deliver things succinctly? We have this framework that I think Rita really liked it when she first learned it was the, is the what, so what, now what? And that's just a way to move through a, a speaking point in a way that makes sense to the audience, right? And if you can, so I first started realizing that instead of creating keynote speeches, what I was creating was a bunch of different stories that I could layer in into different speeches to prove whatever point I needed to prove. Some are in this one. This one's mostly new. Again, I, I felt a big responsibility, but the what is I had to figure out a way to deliver uh, a different type of keynote after I gave my first ever networking keynote. I had to figure out a way to put it in other people's context. And I didn't want to do it over and over again and have to create a new speech every single time. So what I did was I created this formula for packaging hook points that I call the what, so what, now what, that allowed me to create go from having like one 20 minute speech to having 55 different little stories that I could tell. And I could then go put each different one in different orders, depending on the audience that I wanted to do. And now I'm able to show up in different rooms and deliver a networking speech that is contextual to someone's life using examples that are germane to everything that we're talking about. And it works really well. So what I challenge you to do is to start thinking of your content that way, right? Like how do you frame it, right? That right there, that's a what, so what, now what, you know, package. So, so just to see how it, how it lands. And then third is storytelling, right? Like at the end of the day, storytelling, the limbic, the limbic system engages in story in a way that allows people to really understand what you're saying. So studying storytelling frameworks has absolutely changed the way that I communicate with it, the way that I communicate the best storytelling, the most, I don't know if it's the best, but the most useful storytelling framework that I have found is the ABT by Park Howell. I'm going to send you this. I was recently, I was recently on his podcast. He's got a brilliant book of it's like 70 pages of how to use that ABT storytelling framework. It's the end, but therefore, right? So we're going to have a whole workshop on this stuff. I hope you come. It's going to be super, super impactful, but that's level one. Level one is developing this stuff, right? Because at the end of the day, what happens in level one? is you're out there interacting with people one-on-one, right? Like you're getting these one-on-one insights. You're asking for these referrals, right? The word of mouth is very manual because you're you're getting out there and you're essentially building your network, right? Like this at this stage of community building, I would say level one is becoming the guy who knows guy or the lady who knows the lady, right? Like you have a community around you, but right now it's more than anything an audience that you can connect to each other and it's, Really, this is where you really just like pack it up with potential. So whether it's you as a coach or it's you as a company and you want to get into this community play, you need to identify the person that's going to do this. It can be a community manager. It could be your CMO. It could be your CEO. It could be your subject matter expert, right? Like if you're like an accounting software and that you're selling a CPAs, it could be the person that used to be a CPA, something like that. But that person needs to have these skill sets in order to become this evangelist to get to level one, right? To like really stack the deck before you can really start, before you can really start dealing. Then we get to level two. Anything, any questions or anything like that right now, Rita? How, how am I doing? 
You're muted. You're doing a wonderful job setting the stage for the proper steps in order to build community because you can't you. do it overnight. You got to do it in levels. Take us to the next path, Pablo. All right. All right. Let's go. So level two. Level two, curiously enough, I think level two is the, the hardest the hardest level to start on, right? Because when you're in level one, you are, you know, you're still identifying that person. That person's a, you know, like a one person show and and they can duck and weave and whatnot. When you're in level two, whether it's in community or as a company, right? This is where you need to go from trying to be Superman to creating the Avengers, right? This is where you try to redistribute redistribute the influence, right? Like, like Schaefer says in step four, right? You are, you are figuring out how to make your story talkable and you're getting to know your community. And, 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 and like Mackenzie says in level one here, you're really just trying to, trying to really get, get the rest of the pieces in place. And it's going to go beyond you. So this is the trickiest part. And to me, there's three things that you got to think about. It's the culture, the discipline, and the system, the culture. We talked about this before, right? It is it is much easier to get someone to follow you when you are on a mission, right? When you're on a mission that they agree with, that is the way that people enlist into something. And that's what we learned with the young professional groups that we built. That's what we've learned in the communities that we built. It's this idea that if you make it about yourself and you make it about, oh, no, I'm the best this or that, blah, 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 blah. It's not that. It's, hey, we care about this. Who's with me, right? And the best way to get that is to identify the problem, right? He or she who is no, who can state the problem the best will be known to have the best solution, right? So if your mission is to solve a problem, you now have the North Star of your culture. And then right underneath that, is the core values. That's what Jerry, our, our, our good friend, Jerry McNamara calls the bumper lanes, right? Like, so how can you, how can you instill that in a group of people, whether it's your company or whether it's the people that you are trying to enlist to become the, you know, the Avengers of your community? This is what matters that you agree on the North Star of what this thing is all about. And that you agree on the rules of engagement to get there, the bumper lanes, the core values. There's a couple of things that we do at Be the Stage that, you know, that, that, that makes this happen. We borrowed something from, from JWB when, when JWB was first interviewing me to, so I could get the business. The, it's, they, they asked me to come to their, all hands meeting, right? What they call their Tuesday morning meeting. And uh, as a guy who is ferociously ADHD that hates meetings, including, you know, most of the time when it's my own meeting, I was not super pumped about this, but I really, really, really wanted the business. So I came. And to my surprise, it was a room of 85 people completely glued on each other to a way that I could not look away. And it kept me, it kept me fully keyed in. And the first thing that I realized that made them different was that they do this thing called core values callouts. They allow someone from they 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 open space in their all hands meetings for someone from the company. Anybody from the company can stand up and recognize somebody else that has lived out their core values in an action that they performed in the week prior. Right. So that is a beautiful, beautiful way to incentivize 
the adoption of these bumper lanes, the adoption of these core values. We do that now at Be The Stage as well. We call it caught being, caught being awesome through core values. It's my favorite kind of like, it ends up being like 10 minutes, 20 minutes of the week because we're very complimentary out here. But that is that is a, a great way to instill these these core values allow anybody that's new to the community, anybody that wants to be a superstar of the community, you start really, really understanding this thing. And it allows for your team to start building beyond you as well, right? If we go back to the product, once you start growing as a company, then this idea of the experience with the product, right? The experience with the thing that you solve starts to really expand beyond you as well. So whether it's your team or the people that are in the community, you need to be playing by a certain set of rules and you need to have a way to ritualize those that like adoption of those rules. So everybody wants to keep doing it. Right. So make, make the, make the problem obvious and make the rules of engagement even more obvious through practice and through frameworks. There's another company that I, I forgot who she was working with when I, when I, she's working somewhere else. Right. But like Karina Owens, she talked about the idea that, they bring on the CEO of a company that's a client to their all hands meetings once a month, just to ask him questions about how the product has worked for them, right? Like this is something that allows, that allows their people to, again, breathe in confidence into the product because you now see how your thing is helping, right? Like what the problem that they're solving is and allows them to, you know, see the core values in action and see the things that they believe in play out in the customer's mindset, right? So things like that for a community, for a company, absolutely crucial if you want to go community-led. The discipline piece, this is something that I've, that I learned from JWB and it took me about almost two years to really internalize. The discipline of this thing has to, has to, has to be to only promise the things that you know you can deliver on and are pretty sure that you can do better, right? This has been explained to me over and over and over again by Greg Cohen. At, th- at first, I just thought, cool core value, bro. Like, I get it. It's a, it's a, it's a cool wheel. It's like, no, man, we think about everything like this, right? We think about every interaction that somebody has. How do we stay disciplined and only promise the things that we know we can hit and are very, very likely to exceed from one call to the next, from how we sell you the investment, from, you know, like what, what we promise, right? Like they leave, they leave many, many percentage points on the table in their deal evaluations because they know that as long as they're overperforming that, people are going to continue to invest and tell their friends about it, right? So, so that, that part is really, really, really critical to, to do that, right? And, and there's, there's different ways to think about that part. It's just from moment to moment. How can you just like really be on that and how you can deliver it? And to us, the measuring stick for that is a system, right? Like if you can't create a framework or a standard operating procedure and have clear expectations on how this thing meets it, then you don't promise it, right? So whether it is the onboarding for the community or whether it is your product, these are the things you need to create. This is why in the relationship flywheel bootcamp, we don't just teach the processes. We give everybody our frameworks and our standard operating procedures, right? Because how you systemize this thing is what's going to establish the baseline of what you can promise and what you can over deliver on, right? That's why Gina, who's our COO, our chief heart officer, absolutely, absolutely instrumental in all this stuff. So developing systems that allow you to, what's that quote? 
We don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems, right? Like how you can show up consistently has to do with systems. That's why we harp on this stuff so much. And in today's world, you have every way to create it. So at the end of the day, what happens in what happens in level two, right? You're starting to get systemized insights, right? Because you've built these systems. You're able to compare one thing to the next. What's working better? Why not, right? Once you get to standardize it across the way, because you're under-promising and over-delivering, you get volunteered referrals, right? Like whether it is an opportunity to delight a customer with a gift or a, or a special experience or just giving somebody a... Yeah, we don't rise to to our goals. We fit, we fall to the level of our systems. That one hits home. Yeah, thanks, Melissa. You know, so whether it's a delight thing or whatever you're doing, right? Like at level two, you're starting to get more volunteer referrals. It's not just asking for it because you've been able to reach a certain level of consistency. You're able to over-deliver on things. And that starts to allow for the word of mouth to accelerate, which is something that you absolutely need to have a thriving community, right? Like at the end of the day, if your community is going to lead to profit, it is all about word of mouth acceleration and how you can turn that thing into a flywheel. Then there's level three. At level three, now you have interacted with the market a ton. You've created a whole bunch of insights. You now have ambassadors that are out there. You're not the only one. Your original evangelist is not the only one out there bringing in insights and delivering and and delivering these moments and and talking to people. You now have multiple people, which allows you to systematize and allows you to really key in on what your unique point of view is, right? Going back to, again, category design. This is going back to this idea of purpose and knowing your community, right? And making it talkable that we talked about early on. You have differentiated either what your community is, what your product is, what you're known for, and you can now become the watering hole of the community, right? You now have, you are now the place where you can now create that watering hole because you have created all these things around it that when someone shows up to the watering hole, they're going to be able to stay, right? So let's talk about that. POV, John Clear, I saw you just check in. Check me on this one, man. A well-constructed point of view, according to my friend, John Ruggie, who's a, a category design expert, has a current world order, a villain, the ramifications, a big idea, and a future state, right? And what I have learned, and we are right now trying to build a community of category designers, is that the highest level, like the, you know, kind of like the Mount Rushmore of category design guys that are the guys that wrote the book and, you know, and and, and kind of within standard deviation of that, what they talk about is that this idea of point of view, right? Like the process of trying to get to the point of view and try to write out a point of view that word for word, everybody agrees on what the state of the world order is, who the villain is, what these ramifications are, the big idea in the future state. That's their biggest deliverable. Because once you see that, once you can state it in a way where everybody has consensus, like, huh? Oh, all right. Once you see that, you can't unsee that. So I want to, I want to show a, Example of that, right? So where are we here? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this off to you. And this was written by John Ruggie. So he just wrote this POV with his new opportunity block spaces, right? The promise of blockchain and web three have always been enticing a new way to use data that's opening thousands of possibilities across industries, right? This is the world order. But along the way, Web3 Web got chaotic. This is where they, they recognize the villain, chaos. Hundreds of competing protocols, 
crypto booms and busts, DeFi versus TradeFi, public and private blockchains, and so many changes in the ecosystem that just keeping up would be a full-time job. This chaos, here comes the, that's the, the villain, means ramifications that using blockchain in the enterprise isn't for the faint of heart. It means signing up for months of one-off development work. It means deciphering protocols that can interact with your core business apps, cobbling together disparate technologies that weren't made to work together, navigating opinions of evangelists who insist that their approach to blockchain is best, right? Those are all the ramifications of this problem, this villain, Web3 chaos, is why most enterprise blockchain initiatives fail to move past the proof of concept stage, but no longer. Here's the big idea. With multi-web tools and infrastructure, any business can get value from Web3 with tools that make the process simple, scalable, and accessible. No more custom dev work or expensive consultants. No more dealing with tools, right? These are the future states with tools that were designed for crypto bros. No more limits to where and how blockchain can add value. No more waiting to get started. Multi-web strips away the complexity of integrating Web3 with business applications. Connect your business to the Web3 ecosystem with little to no code. Extend blockchain applications to industry partners with a few clicks. Use the technologies that work best for you and your industry and, and not those that a vendor or contractor has locked you into it. With multi-web, your business can start getting value from Web3 today, right? So that is a really tightly written point of view that includes all of those things. If you want to get really basic and you want to hear a a version a version of that, right? So we believe that I, I basically started today's presentation with our point of view, right? Like we believe that communities sit at a tipping point and companies want to capitalize on this thing. They realize it's the future. They want to get in. But you know, it's hard for them because they have been conditioned to this idea of needing an audience and needing and needing to have like a lot of fame before they can either even build a community, right? That leads to the fact that they become too transactional. They're bothering people with interruption marketing that nobody wants to see. They put off this idea of community until somebody else displaces them and builds a community underneath them. And now they can have it. They can get their business disrupted by the digitalization of products and, and digital giants that can't compete with relationships. So if you're not doing it, you know, you are vulnerable. Just ask the taxi industry, right? Those are the ramifications. For us, the big idea is this idea of relationship out content instead of audience in, right? This idea that if you are creating content with the people that you are trying to solve, you are getting the insights that you need. You're building the content that you can that you can facilitate digital word of mouth with mouth for and you're building community on the way to while you're satisfying your everyday needs, right? So the future state of this is every company, every entrepreneur, what those entrepreneurs that are missionaries that are really obsessed with their problem, they do not have to worry about these digital giants displacing them. They're able to grow community. They have a clear path in front of them. And it all starts with these content engagements because that is the way to start racking up those insights, right? That's our POV. We're working on it. Let me know what you think. <laughs> all right. So differentiation. Again, we're taking from, from category language. Once you really understand your once you really understand your market, then you can understand where to differentiate. Oof, that was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now, 
go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you haven't already hit five star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. This one was big for us, right? The idea that you can differentiate across not just your category, which is what we were first obsessed with, right? This idea of the problem, relationship-driven growth, not, you know, relationships over transactions, and then company design, right? Like how you deliver something really, really matters. Just ask Segway, right? Like Segway was all ready to to disrupt the intermobilitary uh, short-form transport in the world. They had made these ugly, clunky, you know, like two-wheeled scooter, unicycle-looking things. They were the first to market. And then bird scooters came along and they disrupted it with the business model, right? With this like shared economy of scooters that allowed you to get to and from. Product design is just as big, right? So like how you are differentiating based on the needs of your clients is a big deal. We differentiated our product a while back when we realized that nobody wants to sit down with a marketing agency and be told, you know, this is what your business is all about. This is what I think of it. And now here you go. I'm going to build you this infrastructure about it. And now here's a bunch of homework. Give me content that I can put in this infrastructure. And we created this way of onboarding clients by interviewing their clients, creating the content that gives us the insights and doing that. We also realized that in order for our product to serve more people, it had to be more approachable. So we created the bootcamp, right? So those are two big product differentiations that we created that has really, really moved the needle for us that has allowed us to build community because now more people get to be a part of this and be a part of what we're doing, right? So like, think about in your product, how you can increase speed to win, how you can decrease barriers of entry, right? Like increase adoption in whatever way you can so that you can, again, get these insights and grow this community by the people that you help. And then finally, it's building the watering hole, right? At the end of the day, the watering hole, which is where the community lays, is is going to have three things. It's going to have a ritual where everybody gathers around. It's going to have common language that we all share, and it's going to have content that we all are there to consume and 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 believe in. I, I think most of you know my story, right? But the power of community hit me at my brother's funeral. When 1,200 people showed up to his funeral, I looked around and I was like, man, no matter what I say about the Catholic Church, since I'm a teenager, I can never leave this place. This is my community. This is way too valuable for me. And if you really look at it and you look at that like business model, right, of organized religion, it's a community-led model and they have all of this, right? They have the ritual where everybody goes to church once a week. They have the language that everybody shares and the answers and whatnot and the songs that they sing. And they have the content, right? Like they go through the same scriptures every single week and then provide their opinion on it, right? People are showing up for content and guess what? They're able to evangelize the gospel because it's written in this book that they can all hand out. Right. So this idea of becoming a watering hole is kind of the last piece. And all you have to do is look to look to one of the oldest business models in the world and see and see what those breadcrumbs are 
to create that, right? So now at level three, you have inbound insights, right? Because you have these ambassadors out there that are evangelizing for you. You have a place where everybody gathers that can bring you all the insights that you need. And you've created this word of mouth flywheel because you have people talking in the same way about the same things and you've made it easy for them to share it, right? Like you have redistributed this power, the fame, whatever you want to call it, right? So that's, that's level three. And, you know, as you can tell, all these, all, all, all the core concepts are these three, right? It is how you create insights, how you get evangelists, then evangelists, evangelists, and how you drive word of mouth, right? Your community is not going to work if you can't do these things. You need to systemize this stuff and you need to have deliberate programs for it in order for it to work, right? So for us, that reflects directly into the content process, right? How can you create content, right? So content is the way to drive digital word of mouth is the way that I want you to look at this, right? Because it's one thing for you to tell somebody how cool I am or how smart I just sounded. It's another thing for me to share this in a podcast and you go tell your friend, oh my God, this dude's got the answer that I needed. Go check it out in this podcast, right? Like how are you making content in a way that is shareable that also drives the insights that you need, right? And is able to create evangelists. That's why we believe in this, the thing that you're doing right now, this internet talk show as the center point of a community, right? Like if community professionals call it engagement and programming, for me, I just call it the motor, right? Because if you're able to interact with many people at once every single week while you're creating your content, you're getting the insights as you're doing them through the questions and who through who shows up right? Like I know based on you showing up to this call or you registering for this thing that I'm talking about something that's important to you, that's an insight. I know based on the questions being asked where you're struggling or what I'm not explaining right or what I haven't packaged correctly for you to understand, right? And all those insights drive the next iteration of this thing to accelerate that digital word of mouth that is the thing that allows your community to grow beyond your 20 best friends. Right. Like you need to have people out there that are coming in that have never met you in order to get a community going and evangelists. Right. Because we have the stage, we're able to bring in people like V, who I want to, you know, who I want as an evangelist for myself and give him content about himself and his awesome company that he can share on social media. And by promoting him, you know, then then he's also evangelizing what we're doing and I'm evangelizing him together. Right. Um, so. This is, this is where you are. Yeah, you got it, man. This is, this is what your content process needs to look like. And to build that engine, you know, we, we suggest this 90 day sprint methodology of ready, fire, and aim. This is what we do with all of our clients. The ready stage is just like, what is your, what is your current insight thesis? If you're starting from zero, it's just like, man, what do I think? <laughs> right? Like, what do you think is happening? How do we, how do we like take that and organize those insights into a way that you can go test to see if it lands? You build a plan, you build the pipes, and then you fire. You start showing up with whatever your content stream is going to be. You, you start seeking insights any way that you can, right? Whether, whether this is like a show or I'm just, or you're just networking at different conferences of your industry, same exact formula, right? Like you're seeking these insights, you're seeking to validate these insights and you're seeking to build ambassadors. You're seeking to create people that you can co-create with, right? That you can power with, with each other. And then after, after 90 days, you evaluate whether you're right. You form the new point of view and you repeat, right? Like, 
this has not been as obvious to me how effective it is as what we just experienced with Daniel Wren, who is our who's our client that is he's got this finance for physicians podcast. You know, we we did our whole process, right? We interviewed his clients, got all the insights, uh, created the content around it, started distributing it, put out put out the podcast, made it an internet talk show, and redesigned his guesting strategy to 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 lead to results. And through those conversations, he developed a new insight, right? It went from, hey, man, doctors are just always behind the eight ball because the system is against them. And that's why they need help with their finances to, you know, the problem is that since doctors are behind the eight ball, because all they can do is learn medicine for the first 30 years, and they don't make money until you're 30. And at that point, they're making a bunch of money, but they have a bunch of debt and they're already stuck in these complex decisions. They think that they need to work themselves to death to get out of it. So they're constantly looking for side gigs. And that just means more work. They're constantly looking for passive income, which doesn't really move the needle until you've stacked enough income in order to create that. So they're obsessed with this like retire early. It's called FIRE, right? Like financial independence, retire early thing, which essentially tells them that they just got to work themselves to death for 10 years so that in 10 years, they can stop doing what they love and do something else, right? And that's not the problem. The the the, the way to solve that is through entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is what is going to break those shackles based on all the people that I've interviewed and people I've seen. This business model, this direct care business model is what works for doctors. They're my perfect client. So let's start making content about this and let's make a new keynote about this and a new POV about this, right? That was a 90-day sprint that got us to the next level, right? We talk about when we first launch a show, it's just build a machine and get insights. And then you're just constantly in this aim process that allows you to keep iterating and keep getting it. Talk to me, Rita. I think a key point of this engine that we're discussing today too is that a lot of folks are comfortable with that the 90 day, whatever testing content period, but something that's specifically unique and amazing about what you do, Pablo, and what we do is speaking to the people first, like gaining those insights by speaking right to the client and then taking that and doing your testing and your content iterations and your POV development. And I think, you know, instead of having to create on in our own perspective, what we think might resonate, doing that insight data, market research analysis first. And then doing this 90-day sprint, what you're talking about, is a key component that anyone can do regardless of your business size, your niche, your industry, and your, your tenure and the role that you're in. Yeah, that's a great call, Rita. So, so if you don't have a show already and you want to create a content strategy this way, it's exactly what she just said. Instead of just sitting around thinking, what do my people want? Reach out to your people, interview them across. So we interview them across unique value propositions and client journey. And what does that mean? That means whatever you think is valuable that you're really doing, right? Like get that, get that in your head and then think about where is your client when they are problem unaware, problem aware and solution unaware. Then where are they when they're problem aware and solution aware? Then where are they when they're like aware of the solution and looking for the and, and looking to evaluate who can do it? Then when they're in decision making mode, then when they're getting onboarded, then when they're like going with it and then post success, right? And structure conversations with your clients where you're asking them that. V gave me a great, great tip on how you ask that, right? Like if we weren't around, if we didn't exist what would this mean to you, right? Like, why does your company exist? Ask your clients that, but get it via content. 
And the other thing that we do is, so we do those two things. Plus we're also interviewing their clients in order to make content pieces about them because that way you get them to show up, <laughs> right? If you know, if they know that they're going to get some marketing materials for them, that also helps, right? But don't do this stuff in a vacuum. The whole point is get the insights, know your community, right? Like interact with the market as you're creating this stuff. And the content that you create can be used before it, before it becomes followed and have a lot of downloads and whatnot, there's four things that we use content for here, right? That is the thing that happens on the way to building the community. One is how do you go from noise to signal, right? How do you go from, you think there's an insight, ah, this insight is real or it's not. We do that through the live shows by promoting the subjects of our live shows to the people that we want to do business with deliberately. If that person shows up, then, then that validates my insight that I'm getting to know my client, right? Like that I'm understanding what they need. And I also get to, you know, like show up with value for them. Content darts. How do we take a long form piece of content and use it to like repurpose a smaller piece or, or use that piece of content in order to influence a buying decision, right? In order to like, if I have people in my pipeline and I know that they are concerned with XYZ, how do I how do I engineer a piece of content in a conversation with someone that they trust to give them the advice that I'm trying to give them, but it not coming from my own mouth, and then send it to them in a little piece of content. Oh, hey, you know, uh, Mark Schaefer, best-selling author, said this about your company, and he thinks that I do it really, really well, <laughs> right? That that's, that's a content dart that accelerates pipeline, and you can use it. Table setting. How do you create content that answers the question of, do I trust this person? And is this for me? And is this interesting that they can listen to before they even take a meeting for you, right? Like many of you have scheduled a meeting with me. I have in my, in my Calendly upload, I have send me a piece of content that you've been in so that I can do, I can do homework on you. And oh, by the way, here's my like super cool 10 minute storytelling rap intro of my company that I know when people have listened to it because they show up and they treat me completely different, right? How do you accelerate the social validation before you get there? And then fourth is content magnet, right? Like how do you create this like compilation of stuff that you can then put out there that people are going to be attracted to, right? So like if you've interviewed 15 of your clients about like, you know, we did this with a general contractor. We asked 15 of his clients, basically, what were their fears of, of general? Actually, that, that's not as, that's not a great content magnet. The magnet was, how did you decide to pay for this thing? Like, what did you figure out that allowed you to pay for this thing that you didn't know existed? And we got like five or six good data points. So we made a compilation about that. So now anytime anybody is like looking for how do I pay for a remodel job? He's got a really, really nice video that explains that. And by the way, he can send it to anybody that's already thinking that they can't afford it, right? How do you create those magnets? And all that stuff comes down to how you repurpose content, right? Like how can you take this like one hour thing and put it in many pots? And for that, we have created a gift for all of you. So we've created an infographic that explains all of our repurposing methodology so you can do it yourself that has live links to videos where I'm explaining it and you're all going to get this thing as a gift. We wanted to have it ready for prime time by this call, but we're a little behind on it. So we're going to email it to you after the fact, but don't worry, you're going to get that because at the end of the day, your ability to repurpose content is what makes all this thing even more effective, right? 
So it's it's, a, it's another reason why we go so hard at it in the relationship flywheel bootcamp as well, right? Because if you are if you're gathering insights and you are testing your 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 messaging and you're doing all these things and you're recording it, the one thing that allows that digital word of mouth to continue is the repurposing of the content and the redistribution of the power and evangelizing the people that have been on your stage, right? Like how you can create those evangelists. And if there's one thing that you need to remember when it comes to community building, this is the the number one insight. You know, I had Mark on my podcast as this book was coming out. And I was like, hey man, what did you learn? What did you learn that you had no idea about? And he's like, dude, honestly, man, what I realized is that these companies that have built communities are not focused on how they can, you know, they're, they're less focused on how they get you to connect to them as much as how they get people to connect to each other based on the community, right? That's what, that was the big lesson at my brother's funeral. It was the idea that it doesn't matter how I feel the product, I can never leave my friends, right? That should be the number one driver of the thing that you're doing. That's why when it comes to, you know, like Harley Davidson, you can't buy a Harley and then go buy a Honda motorcycle two years later because you'll lose your friends, right? Like they have incredibly high lifetime value. So that's the number one thing that you really need to think about is how you can promote others on your platform, right? How we say, how you can be the stage for other people to connect with each other, to get known, to reach their goals, how you can be the stepping stone on the way there. And let's hold me accountable here, right? So when it comes to Schaefer's framework, the idea of culture and purpose, we talked about, right? Like we talked about this idea of how you can use these, use different methods to get people that speak the same way, right? And believe in the same things and have a similar purpose and have similar core values. Gathering members, absolutely crucial, right? Like we really believe that this idea of relationship flywheel built on an internet talk show is the most low friction way of gathering people on a regular basis. But whatever you're doing, whatever platform you're in, you know, you need to have that thing that everybody shows up to. That is the, you know, like the, the trademark thing where everybody gets together, redistributing power, right? The, 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 the way that you repurpose content and you share it around big one monetization, right? Like how you can create speed to win, how you can create better adoption of your product makes a really, really big difference and measurement and measurement. Schaefer, what Schaefer told me is that the number one measurement that they look at is engagement and social sharing, right? Digital word of mouth, right? Like how that is, that is how you gauge if it's working or not. It is how many people are coming to you like, Oh my God, I saw this thing and I need to talk to you about it, right? Like that is the way that you measure your community early on and those impacts and the insights that you drive from those people coming in, as well as the revenue that you drive from those people coming in. Once it's fully evolved, you know, you're going to see a very clear differentiation between pipeline velocity of people that come into your ecosystem and how quick they, they, they move to doing business with you and their average order volume, right? Like they're going to spend more with you quicker than, than, than people that don't go through the community, 
right? Like that is the measurement that we've reached with our most mature case. And then the McKenzie community flywheel, right? Know your community. How do you interact with them? How are you, how are you getting yourself in the same place as the people that you're trying to serve is completely paramount. Making your story talkable, right? Like whether it's your point of view or the way that you package your hook points or the way that you story tell, you really, really got to do that to drive that word of mouth. Zooming in on that hero product. I'll talk about that in a second. Fueling conversations across all channels. Again, that's content repurposing and distribution and making the transaction effortless. Zooming in on a hero product, right? Is how easy do you make it to do business with you so that you can, so that more people get to experience it and it's easier for them to like justify it to themselves, right? That's why we went through this whole arch of we don't launch a show the same way that every other marketing agency does it by interviewing people and then telling them what they're supposed to do. We do it by interviewing their clients getting the insights, creating the content that's already going to work in the darts and in the table setting and in the story market. And from there, we build a show for people and making it effortless was the relationship flywheel bootcamp, right? Instead of having to pay us 15 grand or, you know, to like do these content activations or to pay us 80 grand to do this for you for the year, doing the relationship flywheel bootcamp for just 1500 bucks allows more people to like really understand what it is, apply it for themselves, allows us to get more insights and allows this thing that we created to breathe and evolve without us there, right? Like the redistribution of power. And that brings more people into the community, which accelerates the digital word of mouth. So, so we know show concepts, that's changing for the B2B community builder, right? Like what we call our content lanes is going to be shifting to this stuff that we presented in this, in this presentation. We're going to be talking much more about how to get insights. We're going to be talking much more about creating messaging, creating evangelists, the science of word of mouth, right? What we like to call psychology and behavioral science and influence and all these good things and the return on corporate culture, right? Like how do you drive a great corporate culture? How do you drive culture across an organization? These are all paramount things to community building. And that's why we're the B2B community builder show, but this isn't just for community managers, right? This is for executives or leaders or people that want to build community need to understand that you need these things around it in order for it to thrive. Most communities fail. That's the other finding of this, you know, belonging to the brand book. If you don't, if you don't go through these three levels and create the, you know, the ritual and the watering hole and the repurposing and, and, and a way to be a stage, it's not going to work for you, which is why we talk so much about this stuff and not about community management, for example, right? So it was really important to us that we really align this content stream with how you succeed. And, you know, we really wanted to organize it all in a way that you would understand. And beyond that, you know, we are also going to be doing these workshops coming up, right? Like, so the Becoming the Evangelist workshop is going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. The packaging of hook points. We did this for Donnie Boyvin's VIPs for his summit. It was really, really awesome. And then how to get on other podcasts. I did this workshop for Peak Community that they really, really liked. And again, this is going to allow you to evangelize your thing. If you're able to get on more podcasts, you're able to do this stuff effectively. And, you know, one of the things I really, really want to share with you is the fact that we're doing the Relationship Flywheel Bootcamp in February, end of February. We're kicking it off again. It's going to be our fourth cohort. Our last cohort, man, we really nailed it. Really, really excited for what this product represents. It's only 1500 bucks, and you're basically going to get six, six live weeks of cohort training with us. 
implementation sessions, right? Like actual like study halls where everybody's putting it in together, teaching sessions where you're learning the concepts. You're going to get all of our SOPs, all our guides, all our templates, right? Like your ability to systemize is going to be huge. Access to our community on Facebook, which is becoming really cool. Easily tweakable branding templates and stuff like that and forever access to the recordings. So it's, it's we're doing it for 1,500 like 1497, whatever the fuck, 1500 bucks. We're going to do for those of you that came, the first five that, that sign up, get 500 bucks off. So if you put in first five, you get to have it. So I would love to have you there. This is really the way that we are allowing for our thing to really become a community when it comes to that digital word of mouth thing, right? Like we are, we're at that level two phase in it, in the sense that I think it was Mike, big Mike, who's got this engineering firm out of Colorado gave me a hard time about needing to charge more. <laughs> like, he's just like, I can't believe like how much time you spend on everybody and blah, 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 blah. It's deliberate, right? Like we are still in stage two. I still need you to be my evangelist. So we are, we're right now, it's not a one-way class. It's fully interactive. You get access to us and our team. And I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. So I hope that you join, use the first five code. Penny did it. You know, Penny was awesome. And that's it, y'all. All right, so there you go. That's my uh, that's my thesis, right? This is this is what we have learned from four years trying to help people do this stuff, and before that, you know, probably a solid ten years of just like me trying to figure this out and then distill what works and what doesn't work. As you saw, we have the Relationship Flywheel Bootcamp coming up. It's going to start last week of February. There's still opportunities to get in on that first five discount code. So go check that out. It'll be linked in. But more importantly, we have these workshops coming up where I'm going to teach you how to get from like level one to level two to level three. Um, and the first one is that level one piece, how to grow your influence. We're going to host on Monday, January 30th at 4.30. This is a variation of a keynote that I've been given for a bunch of years that people really like about how to grow your influence, but I'm going to tailor it specifically to this, this evangelizing, this becoming that role and how you build that into your everyday life. After that, I'm going to do one on packaging hook points, right? So like you're out there growing influence, you're developing your uh, your insights and your network, how do you get really clear on putting out what you believe so that you start getting that positive feedback, get that word of mouth acceleration going. And after that, I'm doing a workshop on how to get on podcasts, right? Like once you get those speaking points together, it's good to get on that tour, get on, you get on different podcasts so that you start expanding that digital word of mouth beyond your own network. So go ahead and sign up for the live shows so they can be part of these workshops sprinkled in there. we got a couple of great interviews with a couple of really, really interesting marketing and uh, marketing minds and business leadership minds. But I want to see you at these workshops so I can share this stuff with you. It'll be like a preemptive uh, free bootcamp before the actual bootcamp uh, in case you don't want to pay or you've already done it or you just want some, some great value. So hope to see you there. And of course, I never finish any of these episodes without thanking my awesome team at Be The Stage that is making all this stuff happen and driving great success for our clients, starting with the person that's personally responsible for my success, Rowan, my account manager, who is, um, you know, basically on top of my life, making sure I do all the things I need to do. Gina, who is our chief heart officer, who has built this amazing team that we have that allows us to serve people 
and uh, Marge, who's her right hand, to make sure that Gina's doing all the stuff that she needs to be doing. Beyond that, our senior account managers, we got Joanna, we got Joyce, who are also taking care of other clients and making sure stuff's happening, on top of Ryan as well. And uh, of course, employee number one, JP, who is our creative director, makes everything look cool, sound good, and make sure it gets out there. And he's also mentoring our other creative in the house, uh, Philippe, who is becoming a really, really good graphic designer video editor as well, working with us. I want to thank Rita, our content strategist. She is like my content brain um, applied to like our clientele. And I love, love, love coming up with ideas and executing them with her. And Nicola, my buddy, man, who I've been mentoring now for the better part of four years and now works for us. He's becoming a world-class writer. And I absolutely love working with him. And uh, I want to thank you. Because if you got this far, then, uh, you know, I got your attention. And I want to continue to add value this year. We're going to continue to hit on those pillars of what can create uh, the foundation for becoming a community builder so that you can take those next steps as a business leader, as an employee, as an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, however you're trying to do it. The number one thing you got to remember is to always, always, always value your relationships over getting transactions. See you next week.